Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. We're going to go and try to forge ahead with a podcast today. I'm a little bit sniffly. I've already had to stop this one a couple times because essentially the Moran family is officially in quarantine right now to make a long and we'll use the word aggravating story short. I went into work on Wednesday. We're given the opportunity to work from home if we wanted to because we're going to deep clean the offices for covid and I decided to come in because, uh, quite frankly, I have a hard time working from at home and I have some meetings when we come back from school, so I wanted to do some work there. Well, my coworker also decided to come in while well, he walked into the office with his mask on his forehead, proceeded to cough a couple times, and then stopped and went, ooh, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, I think I might have COVID. And I thought he was joking. And I laughed and I uh, texted, you know, a friend of mine that was like, yeah, this idiot's in here joking about it, whatever. Well, he apparently wasn't joking because we got the text on Christmas Eve that he had a high fever the night that evening, he ended up with a high fever, got tested, and was positive. So we were all exposed. So we're hoping that it wouldn't manifest in our house, but I had to tell my son, my oldest son who doesn't live with us, that he couldn't come for Christmas, which was a bummer to say the least. And then uh, basically both Billy and I woke up with sniffles. Uh, I'd never get sore throats. I had my tonsils out years ago. I can't even remember the last time I had a sore throat, slight sore throat. It could be a cold, who knows, but we're we're taking precautions. I am getting tested tomorrow for it. So far, everybody, and I'm, I'm not doing this to, you know, panic anybody or anything. So far, it's been three days and everybody's been pretty okay. My daughter's got a little bit of a cold, as, it seems like a cold as well, or cold-like symptoms. But all in all, everybody seems really well. It's just really frustrating. I'll admit I'm a bit of a misanthrope. And this is the type of stuff that really kind of encourages that, that line of thinking where people, you know, apparently... The co-worker decided to go out on a Saturday night with friends at a bar or something, which is probably the last thing you want to do during a pandemic. He actually thought it was kind of funny. I think in his text, he says, I think it's amazing because now he thinks, that, you know, hey, I've got it too. And I don't know. I just don't get people. This is why I spend most of my time playing with my dogs and spiders, quite frankly. It's amazing I even got into teaching because it involves me being around people all the time. But anyway, a little frustrating to say the least. We have to wait to have my parents were supposed to be coming over and seeing the new house. We didn't want to go over there because they were having my parents having a get together and I was trying to avoid that and my obviously we haven't seen my son so if I do test positive it's going to be a while before we can actually celebrate Christmas with either of them so really frustrating but anyway we're going to go ahead and do the podcast today and forge ahead hopefully I don't think it'll be a particularly long one because I keep having to pause and sniff which is annoying which is the funny thing is I have allergies so that's usually an issue but they've been pretty good lately but now this so Moving on to something a little more positive, what we're going to be talking about today, the first topic we're going to be talking about today is bites. And we're not going to get into, you know, I've done things about bites before, but what I want to talk a bit about is the attitude that I've run into with quite a few keepers. And sometimes it's them coming to me for advice and expressing this notion. Other times it's people coming onto my videos and making comments, which are kind of irritating because there are a group of people out there, or some hobbyists out there believe that bites are inevitable. And I've gone through this before where I don't don't believe it all a bite is inevitable. I don't believe you should go into the hobby thinking a bite is inevitable. And if anything you take away from this, the main reason why is when you say something's an inevitability, it takes all the responsibility away from you as a keeper for being responsible for your actions and what may cause a bite. So in other words, if I come in and just go, well, a bite's inevitable. Yeah, eventually it's probably going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're not going to take precautions that would keep you from getting bitten because you just assume it's going to happen. And again, that's not the case with everybody. And I think a lot of folks that just get into the hobby. And I know I, I will throw, you know, we did the last podcast where I talked about mistakes I've made. When I first started getting into old worlds, I won't go so far 
is to say that I thought that a bite would be inevitable, but I wouldn't say I, I it was one of those things, those karma things where you didn't want to jinx yourself. I wouldn't make comments like I'm never going to get bitten. And early on, I will flat out remember when I first got my OBT, I was expressing some concern over them because I'm like, man, I, I really don't want to get bit by these things. You know, it was a little teeny sling at the time, but I was treating it like it was radioactive. And I remember Billy at one point went out and it was right around Christmas. I think I got the OBT around October. So we started doing Christmas shopping shortly after that. And she was actually looking for puncture-proof gloves for to work with the spiders. Now, that went by the wayside. I started getting very comfortable with them very quickly. I started recognizing the fact that there's a lot you can do to mitigate the risk of getting a, you know taking a bite. And then the more I got in the hobby, the more I realized, now knock on wood, I have a bunch of as I'm doing this podcast, I have a bunch of rehousings to do today, and I don't want to jinx myself, but there's a, a lot you can do to make sure that you're safe at all times, and, and even if the spider gets jacked up. But I think, unfortunately, a lot of people, like the other day I got on one of my videos, and I was rehousing, and the guy's comment was something along the lines like, well, you were lucky that time, eventually you're going to get caught. And I was like, mm. so I came back, and I wasn't, you know, again, I never get into like arguments, I don't, you never know if it's a troll, but I really think this was somebody that firmly believed that I was giving the wrong idea by my videos. And I get this quite a bit when people do the rehousing videos and go, yeah, you say you haven't gotten bitten, but it's only a matter of time. And I don't believe that. So I came back and basically said, well, no, I don't agree that I've done, you know, knock on wood, hundreds of rehousings over the years. I've generally not had a close call. You know, you give them, I mean, I think we'll go over a couple of things you can think about when you're rehousing that kind of keep you from getting in trouble with them, but there's tricks to it. And this guy came back and would not relent. He's like, oh, that's great for now until you get bitten. So I was like, all right, we're done with this conversation. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. But I do feel like, you know, again, I think when you go in with that kind of attitude, it sets you up for failure, for lack of a better phrase. I think when you go in with an attitude that you're going to get bit regardless, that it's just what happens, you know, it, it sets up that mindset where you're not in control of what's going on. For you to comfortably and safely work with these animals, it has to be under the auspices that you are in control. You are the one that's going to dictate how this is going to go. If it goes poorly, it's not because your spider's, you know, flipping out and not something unpredictable, it's because you messed up. Now, it's not to say things don't, and I don't want to throw this out there because I know what's going to happen. Somebody's going to listen to this podcast and go, I got bit and I did everything right. That, that's totally a possibility. Obviously, we're working with, technically speaking, wild animals here. They can be unpredictable. They're not domesticated like dogs or cats. They, it's, it's part of working with this type of animal. So I understand that. So I'm not saying there aren't possibilities. And again, that's why I keep saying knock on wood for myself because I recognize that all it takes is one bad day, me to lose concentration, not do something I could, you know, one little mistake could lead to a potential bite. So let's not take that out of there. And I don't want this to sound like I'm poo-pooing the threat of old world species because somebody will take it and go, oh, you're just telling everybody they're easy. Not at all. But I'm saying you should not go into the hobby thinking a bite is inevitable because bottom line, there are many things you can do to control what happens with the spider. Now, I do think with some people, this type of this type of belief comes early on when you're first getting into the hobby because what what it usually happens is you get in you start with the new world species you know everybody goes into the hobby thinking oh you know spiders they're no worse than the bee sting and then suddenly you find out about old world tarantulas and you find out that the bite would be much nastier than a bee sting then you find out the fact that they tend to be more prone to actually using fangs as defense so now you have a situation where the bite's going to hurt even more and there's more of a chance you get bitten then you find out that they move very quickly. So you have this kind of unholy trinity of attributes for these spiders that suddenly take this, you know, you're looking at this 
orange spider you found and you realize this thing could be a real handful and could result in me getting bitten or injured or hurt and being in a lot of pain. So I think right around that point is when people's mindsets start to change. You know, I know when I first got into the hobby years ago before I even knew there was any such thing as old worlds, I never even thought that I had a chance of getting bit. Like my theory was I'm going to go out buy a spider. I'm going to, you know, watch it a little bit, kind of get used to it. And then I'm going to handle it like everybody does because I thought that's what the big deal was. And I shared the story before where I went to a reptile convention and they had the tie black in a, it was basically a, a stripped down 10 gallon tank with like an inch of substrate and it was just sitting there slapping at everything. And I almost bought this animal thinking, wow, worst case scenario, if it bits me, it's like a bee sting. And then years later, I did my research like, oh man, that could have been bad. And that gets you thinking and that gets you worrying and you kind of, it's something you have to mentally kind of tackle and get over to get into the hobby. And I think with some people, the way they tackle it is, hey, you know what? I'm just not going to get bitten. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to be cautious. I'm going to use the ladder system. I'm going to work my way up, get used to working with easier tarantulas, more laid back new world species. And then eventually when I feel ready, I will get maybe one old world, quote unquote, beginner old world species and start working with that. But I'm going to do things to mitigate the chances that I'm going to get caught in a situation where I'm not able to respond correctly. And I get bitten. And then there's the other line of thinking, which I'm not, you know, again, this is not making fun of this line of thinking because I think we all spend some time wavering back and forth between these two thought processes. The other line of thinking is, well, you know what? I can tell you, I'm, I'm a tough guy. I can deal with pain and it's just going to be an inevitability that I'm going to get bitten. So we're just going to jump into it. And I really think that for some people that kind of cements itself into the idea that, you know what, no matter what I do, I'm going to end up getting bitten. They see videos like mine and it bothers them. And I, I've again, this isn't this guy's comment wasn't the first one I've received. I get these every once in a while on one of my rehousing videos because I think people are upset because I'm downplaying the fact that I really don't think a bite is necessary. I do not think you have to have get bitten when you're in the hobby. And they see my videos and they come on and that completely clashes with what they believe. So they 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 feel like they're helping people. They're letting people know in the comment section, hey, don't listen to this guy. You're going to get bitten someday. He's going to get bitten someday. So I do get that. That's why I don't get upset. And that's why, you know, again, one of the questions I get quite a bit from people is how many times have you been bitten? Not have you ever been bitten? How many times have you been bitten? Because they see what I work with. They see the number of species I have. They see how many old worlds I have. They probably recognize some of the ones like P. Solitheria and obviously P. Murinus and some of the old world species that are notorious for being a bit, you know, in their term, aggressive. And they just assume I must have been bitten a couple times. And then when I tell them I haven't, they're incredulous. They can't believe it because in their minds, you have to get bit. But that's not the case. And again, that's one of the reasons I do so many rehousing videos. My theory is when we all get into the hobby, and I'm hoping a lot of you will agree with me on this one. You get in the hobby, you start looking at some spiders, and what's the first thing you do? You hop over to YouTube, and you start watching spider videos over there. And if you're, you know, unfortunately, even back in the day, this was the situation. Generally, the ones that are going to pop up are probably not going to be the ones you should be watching because they are going to be the ones where rehousings went wrong. I remember one there was an OBT, and I believe it was, it seemed like a couple of teenagers, and they had it in a bedroom, and they were trying to capture it. And this thing was off the walls, it was on the bed, it was over top of it. It was just a nightmare scenario as far as a spider that is 
has been spooked, a spider that will potentially use its fangs to defend itself, some kids that probably shouldn't have had this spider to begin with, not knowing what they're doing, panicking. It's just the whole video, you know, it would almost be funny, like one of those deals, if you put the Benny Hill theme in the background, it would almost be funny, except the fact if that spider escaped, there's a, obviously, these are kids, there's a family there who knows if they have younger siblings, a dog, cat, you know, the, the parents, they could have a grandparent living with them. It creates a terrible scenario. So what happens is you get out, you start looking at, you know, spider videos and the ones that come up are these terrible rehousings where things, you know, the people are showing off. There's, you know, even some of the newer stuff, if you go on, there was just one not that long ago where somebody was rehousing an OBT and they had one hand with the camera and the other hand, they're just trying to poke it with a brush. The thing flipped out, didn't do what it was supposed to, ended up bouncing off the floor a couple times. That easily could have been up his arm. It could have been a bite. So we watch videos like that and we get an impression that these things are, these animals are unmanageable, that they're dangerous, that they're unpredictable. And honestly, I found there couldn't be anything further from the truth. They're actually, if, if given a place to retreat to, the majority of them are, they would rather hide. They're shy. They know they're not going to take us on. They know they're not going to win any fight. They're trying to get away from us. And if you play your cards right and keep them from freaking out, you can usually transfer them from point A to point B with minimal issue. Now, is that to say these types of videos are completely without merit? No, not at all, because I like to go through, again, we've talked about error analysis. I like to go through and watch these videos and find the exact spot where it went wrong. We'll watch these like with my son who I'm kind of, you know, none of my kids have taken a real huge interest in the tarantula hobby. I think it's just they take it for granted because like, yeah, dad with the tarantulas, they're, in, they're interested. My son was up here the other day looking at the room and everything, but not to the point where I could see any of them. Like if I decide I'm not doing this anymore, taking over the mantle, but I do try to teach them certain things. So every once in a while we'll be watching a video and they'll come over and I'm like, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, ding dong you know rehousing something again and it's bouncing off the walls and going all over all over the place and my son Ron especially would be like well what would you do different here and I'll be able to go through the video and point out well right here the tarantula is actually relaxed it's in good shape right there all you had to do is drop a cup over them good chance it you know does a little quick you know a lot of times you drop the cup over them they freak out for a second but then it cuts down all the airflow so they relax they feel safe slide a piece of cardboard transfer them over you're done unfortunately poking them in the butt they have no idea what that means for a, a more defensive tarantula that's not going to be oh hey dear let me go this way it's going to be let me stand and fight because i don't know what this thing's doing and so anyway we go through the videos and i'll use error analysis on them. so when i was trying to convince myself that i was ready to handle some of the more you know spunky shall we say tarantula species i watched a lot of these videos purposely to kind of get an idea of what worked and what didn't i would watch ones with a spider escaped and try to find the spot where you could see that this was going to happen. It's not as unpredictable as you think if you're good at taking a step back and watching body language. If you're, if you're able to you know, keep an eye on what's going on and recognize basic cause and effect, it's really not that difficult. I've had people go and ask me to do like a play-by-play for example, somebody's like, could you take one of your rehousing videos and show exactly what you're seeing and what you're recognizing body language? And I probably should try to do that one day. I could do it with one of mine and just point out some of the things I'm noticing. But the basic idea is if you're careful, if you stay calm, if you keep the tarantula calm, it should go well. So back to the original point, when you first get in the hobby, you end up watching these videos where the spiders are doing everything that everything you wouldn't want them to do. They're flipping around, they're threat posing, they're running out of the enclosure, they're running up people's arms, they're landing on the floor, and that spooks you. And that gets you to a point where you're like, you. and again, you should always be aware of what the consequences are should things go wrong. But when you watch all of those
those videos and that's all you see as far as rehousings, that kind of cements that idea in your mind that this is a, a dangerous hobby, that you're putting yourself in danger, that there's a good chance you're going to get bitten. Now, the good thing is if you watch the majority of these videos, and I've pointed this out before, we always talk about the fact that when the, the point where you're most likely to get bitten is, is during the rehousing because that's when the tarantula is most stressed. That's when your defensive species are going to be really on the defensive. So that's the most likely spot you are to get bitten. But if you watch the majority of these videos where things go horribly wrong, nobody usually gets bitten. It's usually the spider trying to escape and get the heck out of Dodge. It's the spider running around. The reason why it ended up on the floor wasn't because it jumped at the guy trying to bite him in the jugular. It's because it got scared and ran from him. So that's something that a point that people often miss when they watch these things is that the, most of the time, I, I'm trying to think literally as I'm talking right now, trying to think if I've seen one where somebody actually got tagged on camera doing a rehousing. Usually they get away. That's the worst part. That puts you in a situation now where you could have a spider loose in your house, which is not a good thing. But it illustrates the fact that a spider bite is not inevitable and it's not even likely if you're showing a modicum of care. Now, one of the reasons, back to the original point again, that I've done so many rehousing videos is I wanted to put quality stuff out there. I wanted to put out videos that show what happens when things go right to show how you can mitigate now mine all don't go perfectly and as planned usually if you watch uh, I'll say how I think it's going to go and usually there's a couple like I'm going to try this and if this doesn't work this may happen I may do this there's a couple plans there's an a b c Billy and I usually go through it beforehand I actually recorded some footage recently but we were we actually started recording the video and then I went over what I was going to do before we actually did it and it got on camera. So I might post that up at some point to show what we do before we actually do the rehousings. But the idea is we kind of talk about some different scenarios. The one I just did was my P. Victoria, and basically we talked about my first thought was it's been sitting on the top of its cork bar quite a bit, so I was hoping I could tip the enclosure out, just gently tap the back leg and get it to walk out on its own accord. I'd say if that doesn't work, what we're going to probably do is grab the cork bark and drag the cork bark out with all the webbing on it and get it out into the open in the little catch basin that I use, the big plastic tub I use to do the rehousings in, and see if we can't cup it or get it into the new enclosure for there. And then we just kind of go with the flow. So again, I tried to get, I thought I was going to be able to tap it out. It went back into the enclosure. I dragged the whole thing out, just like I said, and we got it out of there. So a part of it is preparing and watching. I think the trick is to watch good videos. And this isn't just me trying to sell my own videos. There's other people out there who do a great job of it. But watch people that know what they're doing. Watch people that don't traditionally have those train wreck videos where the tarantula ends up. Like I could tell you a list of people I would not send you to to watch for rehousings because all it's going to do is give you a bad idea of what a rehousing should look like. When I do mine, the idea is to, it's always been to calm people. And what a ways back, I remember talking about, because my videos, a lot of people do the really produce videos where if they do a rehousing or something, there's a lot of cuts. They don't want to be their audience to be bored with, all right, we're going to carefully prod this one out of here for 15 minutes and take our time. So they cut that stuff. So it strings it together better. And I know that when I do mine, I let the whole thing run. I want everybody to see it from beginning, middle, and the whole thing together so they can see exactly what happened, whether it takes five seconds, whether it takes 50 minutes, whatever it may be, they're going to see the entire rehousing process and hopefully get a realistic feel of what it should look like. So I remember a while back, I was like, hey, do you guys want me to continue doing them this way or would it be better? Because it's very easy to go through and make some cuts and make it look a lot quicker. I could take a 15-minute rehousing video and turn it into three minutes and make it look like really professionally done. It just kind of defeated the point in my mind of doing a rehousing video. And I don't think I had a single person come back and say, yes, please do that. Everybody's like, no, we want to see what you're doing. We want to see the process. We want to be, I've had people, which is the biggest compliment in the world. And I get these a lot 
that will come on and go, you know what, your rehousing videos made me feel so comfortable doing my own spiders because I could see what to expect. I could see that it could go smoothly and it gave me confidence. And that's the whole reason I'm doing this is hopefully, again, take some of the stress, alleviate some of the stress of the hobby. Because again, we're not only dealing with animals, we're dealing with potentially defensive, venomous animals. So there's an extra little danger element involved. And anything I can do to kind of take away that fear is going to make it easier for people to do these rehousings and not panic. That's what it's all about. So I love getting those. I know somebody just responded on a video. I know you're probably sick of hearing this. I will never get sick of hearing it. It makes it all worthwhile. It, it That's the reason I do what I do. So the point is always to give you a positive example of it, a example of how things can go right, because I do believe fear is a huge part of people making mistakes. I've gone through this many times in different discussions about tarantulas and working with tarantulas. The fact that if you're afraid of them, that is not a healthy place to be. There's a difference between being respectful of what they bring to the table, what they can do if something goes wrong, and being fearful. Fearful when somebody's afraid, that's when you see mistakes. That's when you see the videos where the spider jumps and they flip their hand up in the air and the catch cup goes flying and the enclosure goes flying. You see situations like that where they put themselves into imminent danger by the fact that they are reacting in a negative manner, a way that's going to put them in more of a, put them more at risk with the spiders. And that's never what you want. You always want to be able to think rationally and quickly and on your feet in case something should go wrong. So I do think when you have that idea in your head, to circle back to our main point, that a bite is inevitable, you are putting yourself more to risk because you are not, you're going to be reacting more to fear because you think you're going to get bit. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's like the jack in the box. Eventually it's going to hit that little end of the song and boom, the thing's going to pop out and you're sitting there all stressed out waiting for it to happen. Same thing's going to happen if you think you're going to get bit. You're also going to not take the precautions that you normally might if you think it could be avoidable. You can really take a spider and move it. I've demonstrated this with some of my videos and have absolutely zero possibility of spider-to-person contact. It depends just, I've, I've been made fun of on a couple of videos. I know I had one where I did, I think with some Salmapia species, and I built basically to show people how you could do this so that you have no chance of the spider escaping. It was a catch cup mounted on a piece of cardboard that covered the whole top of the enclosure and you just snuck a little paintbrush in you coax the spider out there's nowhere for the spider to go but either you know somewhere else in the cage or in the enclosure or into the catch cup and as soon as it goes in the catch cup you slide a piece of cardboard underneath it you put it on the new enclosure slide the cardboard out use the paintbrush you get it out you never have any contact with it. It depends on how far you want to go with it. There is really a lot of things you can do to mitigate any possibility of the tarantula being able to get to the human. Now, can it be taken too far? Yeah, I think it can. I've had many people ask me, why don't you just go get some puncture-proof gloves while you're working with them? Because that way you wouldn't get bitten. And, I've, and I'm going to be, again, like I've already said, Billy was actually looking for them for me. I did not ask for them. I wanted that made very clear. But she had heard me talking about some of the risks of them and decided this might be a good gift for him. I'll get him some puncture-proof gloves. I think that might be going too far because I think the majority of us, you need to use your hands. You need to be nimble with your fingers and gloves kind of slows you down. And I don't honestly think your hands should be anywhere near the trans at any point to get bitten. I've also seen people build things like um, these encapsulated plexiglass cages that have like the glove ports where you put your hands through holes and you have the puncture-proof gloves and you can work with the spider in there, almost like it's like radioactive or something out of a sci-fi movie. I don't know if I'm describing it well, but I've seen situations where people have built these things. And again, if it keeps you safe and, it, and in, there's no possibility of you getting by the spider, I guess I can't knock it, but it seems like you don't have to usually go that far 
far with it. But again, there's a person who's probably not going to get bitten because that spider can't go anywhere. It's contained. Their hands are safe. Whatever it may be, though, I do think that if you practice enough, you get the hang of watching their, you know, knowing the spider is a big one. Knowing which spider you're rehousing, knowing its behaviors, knowing how it usually reacts can help quite a bit. I know I have certain spiders that I know that if I drop a catch cup on, they just freeze. They don't do anything. I have certain spiders I know that if I drop a catch cup on, they're going to go crazy for a little bit. They might get a little threat posturing, but then they immediately calm down once the airflow is cut off and you can usually slide that cardboard underneath them, get them up and out of the way. Knowing the individual spider is a big part of it. Having contingency plans when you go to do a rehousing, have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. Recognize that if a spider bolts, the best thing you can do is let it finish its bolt and then grab it. It's one of the reasons I do the paper towel trick because a lot of them will go under the paper towels. I I scrunch up paper towels and put them in the corner of the catch basin I'm using. And what will happen is, and I finally demonstrated this on video, the spiders will run until they feel like they're concealed and they hide. So they'll hit that paper towel and they'll hide underneath it and allows you to grab them. One of the places you could get bit is a spider trying to flee and you try to stop it. I remember the good old days I used to freak out when I was doing rehousing when the spider would go like I try to get them from container A to container B and it would get out into the catch basin and I'd freak out. Now it's the whole point. There are certain species that it's just easier to get them out into the basin where they'll freeze and you can get a better shot at being able to cup them. So recognizing that sometimes the best way to get the spider out is to allow it to come out into a bigger area, give it a little bit of room and then grab it. That's another way. And let's talk, you know, I'm talking mostly about rehousings here because that again seems to be the most likely place for somebody to find themselves at odds with their tarantula in a situation where they might get bit. But there are other things you can do and avoid doing to keep you from getting bit that don't involve the rehousing process. For example, feeding with tongs. We talked about this in my last podcast. We have a lot of people that like feeding their tarantulas with tongs. Uh, For some people, they think that they need to be like spoon fed for lack of a better word. Others like that contact. They feel like, like I know when I feed my scorpions, I love tong feeding them because they will literally reach out with their little claws, grab the cricket like they're taking food from me, which is adorable. Spiders aren't quite the same. They can overshoot that cricket. They can end up going right up your arm. That can put you in a situation where you have a spider with a feeding response that is now coming at you. They can miss and go and hit your hand. So things like that can put you at risk. Handling anything can put you at risk. I know, again, I'm not getting into it. This is an anti-handling speech. I always have to put that you know disclaimer in there because people freak out that anti-handling. It's not that, but that is a situation. If you are physically trying to hold your tarantula, there is going to be a point where you've got to get it on your hand. And in some cases, that could be a point where you could get bitten. You could trigger a feeding response. You could trigger a defensive response. So that's a situation people ask me, you know, about not getting bitten by anything. It's because I don't, I'm hands off with all of them. I don't put my hands in a situation where I could be bitten. Photo shoots. You see a lot of people screwing around trying to get their spiders to quote unquote pose for photos. They want to get a good shot of them. So they kind of tease them out of their burrows and try to get up there with a camera. I've seen people take their spiders out and put them in a spot like on a desk or something so they can get better shots of them. Again, that's putting yourself unnecessarily at risk or at least putting yourself in a situation where you're more likely to get bitten than the person that stays completely hands-off and doesn't bother trying to get them out of their burrows to get photos of them. And again, not a judgment thing, just it's the truth. It's a fact. That's going. Those are types of activities that are going to put you more at risk of getting bitten. And again, the trick is these are wild animals. We want to pretend like we can tame them down. They're not... I, I, Again, I always point to the fact you can get them tamed to a point, 
But the fact that they can change personalities, that they can change temperament with a molt means that it's not permanent. So you never quite know what you're dealing with. I have some that have been great. They molt. They're crazy. You've always got to be careful with it. So these are things that you can do or avoid doing that can mitigate the possibility of you ever even come and be, you know, finding yourself in a situation where you could be the recipient of a tarantula bite. Now, as far as old worlds are concerned, I do not believe there is ever any reason to hold an old world. That's always, that's something I have never wavered from. I get people do it. Not my thing. I think it's just putting yourself unnecessarily at risk. I know people do it just... Again, that would warn against that. And then I, you know, one of the big things you can do if you want to avoid bites, and I've practiced this for years. Again, it's not, it it won't jibe with people who like to handle. So you can ignore if you're a handler, this isn't quite the way to go about it. It's not going to work for you. But my thing is I treat them all like they're all old worlds. And for, for lack of a better explanation. So in other words, I've had somebody ask me, so when you go and rehouse your B. Smithy, you treat it the same way as you would your P. Muranus? Yes, I do. If you watch how cautious I am in the videos, I treat them the exact same way because I want those good techniques. I want to practice those good techniques. I don't want to be in a situation where I get used to being like hands-on with my new world species because what's going to happen is then when I have old worlds, my muscle memory, my brain isn't going to react in time. If my old world goes to bolt, my reaction is going to be to stick my hand out there, which could put me at risk. So I practice the same things with all of them. And I believe me, I've gotten so many comments. Come on, I get, you know, they question your manhood. They question your your anatomy. They, it's terrible comments from people that don't get that. Yeah, I'm not scared of the spider at all. I just do the same thing with all of them. So I practice that good technique. I had somebody really frustrated because I forget what I think it was a T. albopelosis video and I did the whole cup thing and they're like, I don't get why you didn't just pick it up. It's obviously a tame spider. And I tried to explain that, no, I do this with all of them. They're like, you treat them all exactly the same? Yes, I do. I mean, for the most part, the only one that I'm kind of laid back with is my each uh, chalensis because things are adorable. I've never, I've held that one before. It's like almost doesn't even... It doesn't even qualify as a spider at this point. But even then, back in the day, I used to treat those the exact same way because you you reinforce those good habits. So if you're somebody who wants to take the position that a bite is not inevitable, you're somebody who wants to be able to say after being in the hobby for years and years and years, I've never taken a bite, I've never gotten even close to a bite, then these are some of the things you can do. Hands off, practice good technique. Be The big one is don't jump into the deep end too early because again, fear is not a good thing. Being respectful of the animal, is it's imperative. You need to have respect for them. But being fearful, that's different. That's going to put you in a situation where you're going to react poorly if things go wrong the spider's going to bolt, you're going to scream, you're going to jump, you're going to throw tongs, you're going to flick the spider, you're going to flip the cage, you're going to have a spider out, all the bad things that you don't want with rehousing, all the bad things that could put you in line to get bitten. You want to make sure that you are, you know, you need to, this is where people come up and they're like, am I ready for an old world? You'll know when you're ready for an old world. It should be, you know, you should feel a little excitement about it. There's always going to be, when you get your first old world, there's always going to be that little I hate to say a little tinge of fear there because you know what it's capable of and you haven't worked with it and you don't have the experience with it yet, but that should dissipate rather quickly as you work with them more and have more and more successful interactions. If you jump the gun and grab something that you're not ready for, that's going to lead to a situation where there's more fear than respect and you're going to most likely be more at risk of doing something, having you know a miscalculation, having a situation where the spider becomes defensive and could actually hurt you. 
Also, for those who don't want to get bit, minimize your hands-on contact with the spiders. I don't care which species it is. It's one good way to avoid getting bitten is to keep your hands away from the spiders. It's funny because the Tarantula Keeper's Guide, they used to talk about how he's been bitten so many times. Well, guess what? He worked with mostly New World species, and he handled a lot. So that put him in a situation where he was, unfortunately, getting bitten. You don't want to be in that situation. Again, I'm not judging him. It's just back in the day. That's I think a lot more people handled back in the day because that's kind of what you did. And not a judgmental thing at all, but it, there is a reason why he was bitten so many times he used to be on arachnoboards talking about you know different species you've been bitten by keep your hands away from you won't get bitten when you're doing you know trying to get pictures of your spiders do it safely don't prod them out if your spiders open and in the view get some pictures if it's not don't stick a paintbrush in its burrow and try to get it out don't poke your pokey to try to get a better picture of it that's going to put you in a situation where you have a spider flee jump on you bite whatever you don't want that when doing maintenance, that's another spot where people tend to get, you know, in situations where they are the recipients of defensive behavior. For example, water dishes. I've done this trick before. I encourage everyone to do the same. If you go to fill your tarantula's water dish and your tarantula is huddling over the water dish, drop another water dish in another corner and retrieve that other one later. I do it all the time. It's like I'm not going to wrestle. My, my formictopus are notorious for standing right over their water dishes. They, they fill them with dirt. They play with them. And I'll go to go fill their water dishes and they're too close to them. You can go ahead and just leave that one in there. Drop a second one. It's not going to hurt. The other trick I've used before is you feed them. So a lot of times what I do, I do my re, my cleanings and my change my water dishes when I'm doing the feeding. And what I do is I drop in, give them a few crickets, wait till they move away and start doing their little happy dance. And I just go right in, pluck the water dish out, clean it. They usually don't pay me any mind. Once they've got a mouthful of crickets, they're usually focused on eating and not focused on you. They don't see you as an attack or a threat anymore. And usually they're not into that feeding mode again you gotta you gotta watch your spider if your spider still looks like it's on the hunt don't stick anything in there but i've used this i was up there again with my son the other day and he was watching how i do it i dropped a few crickets in spider was eaten i went in took the water dish out it was right next to the spider was no problems whatsoever that's a way you can keep them occupied if you have one that's fossorial and in its burrow or one of them that you is arboreal and has a burrow and you know where the entrance is you can always block off the entrance with a piece of cardboard with one hand while you go and pick out boluses and water dishes with the other to keep it from surprising you and springing out because usually that's not going to be a defensive attack. That's going to be an attack where they think they're, they're stimulated because they think there's a food source nearby. So tricks like that can keep you safe when doing basic rehousing. That's the other question I get a lot is, how do you keep it when you go to fill the dishes and when you go to remove the boluses? How do you keep them from attacking you? It, it's, again, recognizing the spider, recognizing the body language, using safe techniques, using cardboards to block, cardboard to block out the burrows, feeding them before you do it works like a charm. So my theory is no, a bite is not inevitable. That is a, you know, not a healthy, not a productive attitude to have. I'm sure people will still argue it with me and that's totally fine. That's, you know, it's, it's again, it's not, there's not a right or wrong answer to this. Somebody could easily go out and get bitten and go, see, I told you I got bitten. It's inevitable. I just do think it puts you at a mindset where you're not going to take responsibility for your own a actions. You're not going to take the precautions you should take. And I think if you want to go into this, come into this hobby and be one of those people that says, you know what, I am not going to get bitten. I do not want to get bitten then you can probably be one of those people that never gets bitten. And that's following some of these steps I put laid out here. Hopefully that helps for people that are kind of getting into the hobby that hear this. Hopefully this helps give you the confidence that it does not need to be an inevitability, that there are a lot of things you can do during rehousings, during basic maintenance, even just during how you generally interact with your tarantulas by taking pictures of them, by handling, by not handling. Hopefully you realize now there's a lot of things you can do to mitigate, mitigate and drastically decrease any chances of you 
finding yourselves at the end of those fangs. That's not what we want. That's not something to brag about. It's not something cool. It is definitely, in my opinion, not a uh, part of the hobby. I've heard that before. Well, it's just part of the hobby. You get bit. Nope, I don't believe so. I do think there's a lot you can do to protect yourself. And again, protect the people around you. You don't want a situation... When you get into tarantulas, you're automatically looked at as weird. They People don't like spiders. They think they're nasty. They think they're, you know, we were just watching The Hobbit. We do uh, a marathon every Christmas. We end up watching all the Hobbit movies, the extended editions, all the Lord of the Ring, Rings extended editions. It's kind of something we've done for years. And we're watching The Hobbit, and obviously there's a scene where Radagast is in the woods, and the enemies that are coming at him are giant spiders. And it's like... Why are spiders always the bad guy? I feel like a total spider geek because I turn to Billy. I go, this drives me nuts. They're always in video games and everything. Spiders are always bad. And I said, it's funny because when you work with them, you realize, and I thought this too, is that when I was scared of them, I always thought they were just these evil creatures. I respected them, but I thought they're they're out to get me. And you realize they're not like that at all. The majority of them are very shy. They don't want anything to do with you. It's not what you see in the movies. It's not how they're portrayed. They're actually reclusive animals that want to be left alone. And I think that once you realize that, it makes it easier to work with them to recognize that if they are throwing up a threat posture, it's not an evil animal. It's you've made them feel insecure. They feel like they need to defend themselves. And when you figure that out, that you know response, that cause and effect, it makes it a lot easier to keep yourself safe because you recognize just as there are things that you can do to set your spider off, there are things you can do to keep your spider calm. And that's what all this is about. This is why I do so many rehousings. This is why we talk about topics like this so that people realize no, you do not have to get bitten getting into the tarantula hobby. And I think for many of us, it's a source of pride that we have never been bitten and don't ever want to be bitten. Now, I have a rehousing to do later today. So let's hope that I don't end up screwing up my streak and doing something stupid and getting bitten because I'm going to have to go on and make fun of myself for this. But again, when that video goes up, you'll see that we'll talk about the different ways it could go wrong. We'll talk about what we expect to happen. I will know which spider I'm dealing with. I'll know what it's capable of. And hopefully it'll go just as well as the other ones. All right, so this was originally only supposed to be a shorter episode. I was going to go into another topic, but I just realized now that we've already hit the, looks like, 37-minute mark, and my throat's a little bit sore now from all the talking and not the alarm. I think it's just constant talking. I've been a little bit phlegmy, so I'm probably going to cut it here so that I can rest my voice because we do have another video to do later, and I'm going to need my voice for that. But anyway, as always, thank you so much for listening. Oh, I hope everybody had a fantastic holiday. Obviously, Christmas just came and went. That's seemed like once again it seemed like the mad rush to, to get to christmas and then boom it's done and you have the depression afterwards where it's like oh it's over already and ours was particularly hectic because we did the whole move almost christmas kind of almost got lost in the shuffle a bit with just us trying to get into the new house but we're all enjoying our christmas gifts now and relaxing and, and quarantining unfortunately so it'll, it'll be a nice relaxing week of vacation for us so i hope everybody else is enjoying their time off if they're you know off i hope everybody else enjoyed their time with loved ones during christmas got everything they wanted that will be it for this one as always you you can find me at thomasbigspiders.com. You can find me over on YouTube. I have a cricket going in the background. I don't know if you guys can hear that. That's the only drawback to being in the room with the tarantulas now is I realize I keep the crickets in here and there's always an escaped cricket or two that are chirping off in the background. So I apologize for that, but we're going to replace dog nails clicking and farting with crickets now. So that will do it for this one. Everybody have a safe and happy new year and we'll catch you in 2021. Let's end this miserable 2020.